sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of today's show, over the course of the next hour, we're going to hang out with Adam Trigger at Top Flight SI uh, on Twitter. And Adam Trigger is a guy who, I mean, this guy goes deep into MLB. We're going to talk about his process. We're going to talk about some of the Best lineups, worst lineups, best bullpens, worst bullpens, over teams, under teams, undervalued squads, overvalued squads, who we can make money with right now in MLB. I'm looking forward to that discussion with Adam Trigger. But before we get into Adam, I want to talk a little bit about my hometown, Las Vegas, Nevada, and an experience I had this week that was, I don't know how to call it, anything other than disappointing. You know, I've lived in Vegas 25 years. I grew up in New York, uh, lived in the Burbs, went to high school in the Burbs, went to school at Michigan in Ann Arbor, and spent uh, the better part of a decade uh, in Michigan after I graduated. And I've been in Vegas ever since. 25 years here in Las Vegas. And one of the things, I'll tell you what, (laughs) I lived in Michigan for a decade, better part of a decade. And during that span, you know, a handful of your best friends come and visit you. The first year I was in Vegas, I had more people come visit me than I did in 10 years living in Michigan. People come to Vegas. My friends come to Vegas. And I had lunch this week with a good friend. He comes to Vegas once or twice a year or came to Vegas once or twice a year. Now he's a little bit older. As we all are, it happens. (laughs) You know, and Vegas is one of his favorite places on earth. My buddy, he got older, he got married, he had kids. And he really hadn't been here since before covid and he came to town this past week. We got together. And I, boy, it was great to see him. But I was depressed with what he has to say. Las Vegas is his number one destination since he turned 21. I mean, it really has been. You know, he's a Chicago kid, lives in L.A. When he wants to get away, boom, Vegas is the place. And it has been. And I don't know that it's going to continue to be. He's not sure if and when he's coming back. The biggest issue, and this is something that's huge, for sports bettors, what do sports bettors always talk about? We talk about value. Where do you find value? And when I first moved to Las Vegas, look, I moved to Las Vegas on a shoestring budget, okay? You know, I had what I called a, quote, virtual bankroll, which is the last year I was in Michigan, I applied for every credit card that I could get. I'm like, well, if I lose it all, I'll just declare bankruptcy. Uh, that was my virtual bankroll, not something I would suggest people do. Uh, it took me years to get out of that financial mess. That being said, (laughs) my first few years in Vegas was all about value. Man, you find the buffet, you go to the lunch buffet right before it switches over to dinner price. You can go $6.99 and basically have your meal for the whole day. Free parking all around town. Uh, Proper blackjack odds. You can find dollar craps, $5 craps. There was value, legitimate value in Las Vegas. And it really was. It was a, you know, you could, certainly there were high-end experiences here in Sin City. But for a moderate budget visitor or for a low budget visitor, there were plenty of options and good value options. So I'm talking with my buddy. 
And he starts going through this laundry list of things that have changed in this town over the last 20 years. He's like, let's start with parking. All right. You know, free parking. Well, not anymore. Not at most resorts. Then, of course, the fees, you know, the resort fees that they've added onto the hotel rooms that are, you know, and, and that's not just a Vegas problem. That's an everywhere problem. But when you have a 20, you know, you have a $29 hotel room and the service fee is 40 bucks, it's not a bargain. The value isn't there. So you have parking fees and resort fees. The table minimums. My buddy was looking around to play craps. You know, big difference in a table minimum craps between $10 and 15 or 20 or 25 you know, he said with the $10 craps minimums, you sit down with a couple hundred bucks, lose a roll or two and still have something left. When you start talking to the higher minimums, you sit down with a couple hundred bucks at the craps table. It ain't happening if you lose the first roll. The higher minimums for craps, the six to five blackjacks was something that really bothered him. He's like, look, <laughs> that's not the way the odds are supposed to be. You can't beat six to five blackjack long term. Buffets. He was really, you know, and buffets are more, I don't know if it's that a huge issue, but the buffets were a legitimate draw in Vegas. And again, the concept of getting all you can eat, one meal, 10 bucks, you can eat, you know, for two days. My first year out here, I'm telling you, I would go to that late lunch buffet, <laughs> chow down, and I'd be good till midnight, you know? And then there was a, they had a prime rib special at this place I used to go. Uh, late night, you'd get a prime rib dinner for $4.99 with salad and baked potato and the whole work. That stuff's gone. That's not Vegas anymore. And my buddy said some of the stuff, you know, that happens when you get older. It's so loud. It's so smoky. And I understand. Some of it is growing older. Some of it say, hey, I've done this before. It was fun in my 20s. It's not as fun in my 30s or 40s or 50s. Some of it's having more responsibility. Some of it's having to wake up early in the morning, you know. But much of it is that my hometown, my adopted hometown, I didn't grow up here. Not many people did uh, back in the day. It was a small town. But my adopted hometown, Las Vegas, it's kind of a ripoff right now. And that is what I would call a bummer. Again, as sports bettors, we're trained to look for value. Here in Las Vegas, right now, the value just isn't there. Not on a day-in, day-out basis. And that, my friends, is depressing. Not going to be depressed when we talk to Adam Trigger. <laughs> Breaking down MLB baseball when coverage returns after these brief commercial messages. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I've got some hard numbers about how the MLB rule changes have actually affected the game so far when it comes to time. Over the last few years, games that have ended between two and two and a half hours has been about 3% of all MLB games. This year so far, about 30% of games finishing in two and a half hours or less. From 2018 through last year, percentage of nine inning games that have gone three and a half hours or longer was as high as 19% of games that went three and a half hours or longer. This year, so far, only two nine-inning games have been that long. Uh, and, of course, the standard for nine-inning games ending between three and a half hours has been, what, 46 47%. This year, only 11% of games so far 
have ended up between three and three and a half hours. Baseball has done what they wanted to do. They've made the game shorter. Let's bring in Adam Trigger and get his thoughts about some of these MLB rule changes, his thoughts about what teams we want to be betting on against, overs, unders. Adam Trigger at Top Flight SI. Welcome to the program, my friend. How's it going, Tate? Thanks for having me. I'll just say off the top, I am I'm surprised at this. I'm actually a fan of the rule changes. I did not think I was going to be, and I have to say that basically every change made this year, I'm pretty much good with. The one that I don't like is the extra inning rule. That's not new. Apparently, it's here to stay, but I guess we'll have to live with it. Anything they've made this year, I think, has made the game, has improved the game. I agree a thousand percent. With the exception that I like the Ghost Runners and extra innings, and this is why. All right. Especially as an East Coast guy. <laughs> you know, I'm out here in the West Coast. And the late game's going to extras. All right, there's a chance in the old days I can get asleep. You know, the game will be done by 11. Maybe. Maybe it's done at midnight. In the East, man, you're up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's the, the 14th inning scoreless, the 15th inning scoreless. That's boring. Sorry. It is. And Ghost Runners solved that problem. So, that's my two cents. Um, yeah, Teddy, from a viewing and fan standpoint, I, I think it makes sense. It, it's from a betting standpoint that it was a little annoying to me because I, I feel like it ruined betting uh, full game unders pretty much. Like, it, yeah, it I, took away some of the edge there, which was always a good way to bet previously. But now all the rule changes seem to promote offense. So it's, it's, it, you might not, not want to be betting those as it is. Sure. Last year, if you blindly bet every game under through the first 10 days of the season, you cashed, I think uh, the uh, unders cashed in around a 56-57% range. This year, the overs have cashed in that range through the first 10 games uh, of the season. Adam, I always appreciate you taking the time uh, to come here on Cover It to break down whatever sport we're talking at the time. You're someone who's made a really made an effort in your life. Uh, to, I mean, this is what you do day in, day out, night in, night out. You kind of remind me of a young me in that sense. Talk about your process. How do you decide what's a bet? What do you go through on a daily basis as you're breaking down an MLB card to determine what games you're going to pass, what games you're going to play, what games are bigger wagers, what games are smaller wagers? Talk to me and talk to our audience about that process. Sure, Teddy. Um, I think the something I did years ago that I think is, has helped me immensely in terms of just like trying to hone in on what I actually want to bet is getting in the mindset that I more or less am looking what not to bet. Like I, I really want to throw as much out as possible. Whereas I used to, as a young handicapper or whatever you want to call it, I would go and say, okay, like this is my list and I've got like, you know, 10 plays that I kind of like and how do I get it down to two or three. Now I try not to do that at all. I, I look at everything like it's not a bet at first, right? Like I'm pretty much like looking at it like, okay, let's see if we can get through today without betting something. And then I try, and then I try to, you know, something is going to emerge over the course of the overnight into the morning, what, what have you, where it's like, okay, no, that's the, the information and, and everything lines up so good there that I have to bet it. And the reason I even say that is it just less for me, less is more, right? Like I've always looked at it since, well, let me, not always, 
I would say in the, you know, five, let's call it five or six years since I've been a, a winning better. And I think that's important for the audience to know that it, it, it took me my whole 20s, you know, kind of getting beat down to like really figure out how to win. I'll be 37 over the summer. I would say right around the time I turned 30, I kind of started to figure it out. Um, and, and, and really for me, less is more. Uh, the less times that you can bet into a book that's going to take minus 110 against you, the better over the course of your lifetime. So I've always wanted to keep my card smaller because it's less, it's less times I'm going to give the book, the house, whatever you want to call it, the edge against me, right? Because the house is, their hold is going to be better than yours as a better. As far as Major League Baseball, I think it's really important since that maybe is more geared toward like, like spread sports. But Major League Baseball, you have to find spots where the books are clearly shading the opposite way of what, what you want to bet. Because that's the only way, in my opinion, to win long term. Explain and, that a little bit, Adam. Yeah, what, what do you mean the books some, are shading? Yeah, so shading is like a term that we probably throw around. I, I guess to just kind of add a definition to that, the, the bookmakers are going to put out a line to that they know – based on their experience, is going to be bet a certain way. And when they know that something is going to be bet a certain way, they tend to put out a line that's just a little bit off of maybe where it should be because they know they're still going to get the handle. Handle, Teddy, meaning, you know, the, the overall bets are going to come in. What I try to do is find a spot where I, where I can oppose that, meaning go the other way because I think I'm getting line value, but it's also got to make sense in my handicap. And that's really what helps me sort of, you know, get down to one or two MLB plays on a given day because there's not that many spots that at, that at all usually typically jive, right? So if you're – that's how I, I, I'm able to keep myself selective because over the course of a, a day with 15 games, there might be one or two spots where that actually makes sense. So you talked about how you were losing better in your 20s. And just so you guys out there, make, maybe make it very clear – so was I, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, I, I think it was right after my 28th birthday that I had that. I can't remember if it was my 27th or 28th. I think it was my 28th birthday. I had a miserable bowl season where I lost everything and doubled or nothing and lost everything and did all the mistakes that we talk about better shouldn't do. Well, I wasn't experienced better. I was an amateur <laughs> living in Michigan and I got absolutely crushed. I had a bowl season that was a disaster. I ended up working for my bookie for two months and I said, look, if you're going to do this, do it seriously and do it right. And that, to me, was like the seminal moment after mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that, where I'm like, yeah, I like doing this, but I think I can be better. Um, not unusual to have uh, in your 20s. Let me ask you this. When it comes to stats, and we got about, what, about 90 seconds for the break, so I know you can't get too far into it, but what stats are most important for you when it comes to betting MLB? So statistics-wise, and that's where I differ a little bit, Teddy, I, I'm more of a buy-sign type better. It's a, it's a term I stole from Dave Kogan, our good friend. Uh, I look for reasons to bet on a team and then, and then sort of like when I can apply it down the road. As far as stats, I like underlying metrics like WAR, wins above replacement. You can Google that, look it up. WRC Plus is another really good one. Again, these are all terms you can throw in Google and get a definition on. I think they give a little bit more of an, un, you know, an underlying picture of, of what may happen as opposed to some of the obvious stuff, ERA, batting average, like you know, stuff like that that all the books are clearly taking into consideration and everyone sort of knows. 
So I try to find like the just sort of underlying metrics where I think you can uh, look at them and, and, you know, find a little value by looking at those. Sure. WRC plus is a big one, you know, weighted runs created. That's what, what WRC uh, stands for. So weighted runs created plus you can get pitching stats, you can get hitting stats, you can get team stats, and you can get those splits, lefty-righty splits, uh, that I know a lot of cappers have used very, very effectively. We're going to the lineups, bullpens, overrated, underrated, detailed, in-depth MLD discussion coming up next when coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Early season MLB. The rate of steals, nearly .7 per game, is the highest in Major League Baseball since 1999. And usually, the historical pattern is that teams run more when the weather warms up a little bit. It could end up a notch or two higher, and we could see the highest stolen base rate in MLB since the early 1990s this year. Of course, we're talking with Adam Trigger, breaking down the world of baseball and baseball betting. And Adam, we talked in the open about some of the stats that you use and talking a little bit about your process, how you're deciding what's a bet, and you're starting from a low-volume approach as opposed to a high-volume approach. When it comes to stuff like stolen base rates, is there anything we can do with that info, or is that just you kind of put it in the back of your mind and and leave it there to rot because there's not any real way to take advantage of it from a betting standpoint? What are you doing rule change-wise in MLB, and are you playing more props as a result? Uh, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so, Tony, I've actually benefited so far in my betting this year from the rule changes. And specifically, I was never someone that bet overs, ever. Like, I, I opened up the show with sort of a tongue-in-cheek saying, you know, the, the extra innings rule kind of ruined our ability to bet full game unders. But I came out early in the season and maybe a week, week and a half into the season, started playing some overs here and there where I thought, Again, the line was stated where it was lower than it should be. And the teams I, I found myself targeting were teams that, you know, were, were stealing at a high rate, stealing at a high percentage, um, putting the ball in play. And those are all probably magnified by some of the new rule changes. Like we've seen the increase in stolen bases, um, you know, the increase, the new rules on shifting and whatnot uh, really promote putting the ball in play and contact. And what I found was that some of that, some of that isn't showing up necessarily in sort of the overall offensive profile of a team, at least not yet. So, you know, there was some teams, uh, the Guardians, the Diamondbacks, where I was, I was able to, you know, cash a bet or two or, or perceive some value based on, like, what they were doing in those departments in relation to the new rule changes. Yeah, and certainly when you look at stolen bases so far this season, Baltimore, Arizona, and Cleveland, you mentioned two of those three uh, as teams you've been making money with already. All three of those teams lead the majors in stolen bases. All three of those teams have been profitable to support. And when you look at the teams that are at the bottom of the stolen base standings, the Angels, the Cardinals, the Royals, underachievers so far this season. might be random, but 
It's surely worth noting. Adam, let me ask you this. You know, we talked a little bit about the transition from being losing betters, recreational players, to winning long-term betters or professional-level players. What are the biggest mistakes that you're seeing recreational betters make? And what are the biggest makes you see other professional betters makes? Talk about some of the mistakes that you see other people make. So for recreational betters, I think the, the biggest mistake I see a, a recreational better make is just the willingness to take any number. Um, listen, I understand that most recreational betters aren't going to have 15 ounces. I get that. And you're probably, if you're, if you're doing this for fun, you may have one or two spots, and that's fine. But it's like, you know, in baseball, it's easier to do it than other sports because other sports, at least you're, you're sort of held in check. The books are holding you in check by giving you a spread, right? And most people are just going to bet against the spread. When we bet against the spread, it's against the minus 110, and, you know, you're held in check that way. I feel like in baseball, oftentimes I'll, I'll see a recreational better maybe like, yeah, I'll lay minus 160. Oh, minus 155. It's not that much. And in reality, it really is. And if you don't have a pretty uh, set threshold of, of where you're willing to go from a, you know, juice standpoint, but not only juice, Teddy, it's more or less like I'm not going to – like minus 140 might be a, a good bet in situations, right? Like there are scenarios where you can, like, justify laying minus 135 or minus 140 – but if you're doing it over and over again, you're probably going to lose. And I think that's the biggest mistake I see recreational betters make. Professionals, we, we would like to, to think that if you've gotten to the point where you're considered a pro, you probably have gotten that ironed out. I think the biggest uh, mistake I see pros make is the unwillingness to adapt. You know, that's something I think you and I sat in your house and, and talked about this one night, like early in your career, how, you, you know, you like things change. Like I think of a, uh, Teddy, I went to a lot of Dave Matthews Band concerts when I was in college and high school, and I, I think of a, a lyric of his, and, and it goes, every day things change, but basically they stay the same, right? And basically, I take from that, it's like, you've got to be, like, it's ever-changing. Your process should be similar or stay the same, but if you don't adapt to rule changes or, like, I think you made the point, like, analytics being a bigger part of the game, and you're just like like hard headed and like oh I'm just going to continue to do this the way I've always done it. You're probably going to lose, and, and I think that's a mistake that I think professionals make because professionals have had success at some point, so they've got something to go back and say, well this works. And it's like okay, well maybe that worked at one point, but it might not work now. Yeah, works versus worked. <laughs> you know, present tense versus past tense, and a lot of times. You know, the markets do subtly shift and change from one year to the next. Certain stats become in vogue and better predictive measures. Other stats go out of vogue and become less accurate predictive measures. Um, and and uh, when you have that subtle change in the betting marketplace, not anything someone's going to talk about, not anything you're going to be able to say, oh, this is the moment where that changed. But in my career in Vegas, I've seen it happen probably a half a dozen times. Literally, mm -hmm. where subtly the markets are changing. The stuff that they were looking at two years ago is not what they were looking at now. That happens all the time. Reinventing your process certainly 
a piece of the equation. You ask me, and I love your quote about the, uh, or your comment about the biggest mistake recreational betters make, not shopping for the best number. I'm just looking at a, an odd screen right now. All right, you have a choice. You can lay 125 with the favorite or lay 140 with the favorite. Your choice. Same game, same books. You know, you can take back, you know, uh, you can take back uh, 115 with the favorite. You can also take back uh, 105. I'm sorry, with the underdog. You can also take back 110, 105. And it's not a different bet. You're still betting the same team or against the same team. But the price from one book to the next does vary. That's why we always talk about the importance of opening as many sports betting accounts as you can. If you have a $500 bankroll, much rather do five $100 accounts than one $500 account. Line variance matters. Do managers matter? I've had a variety of quotes and I, it's one of these questions that I ask everybody when they come on and talk MLB. I'm getting the sense more and more managers just don't even matter all that much. Do you think they do? And if so, how and why? Well, Teddy, I coach baseball. I was, a, I guess, a, a baseball manager. High-level high school ball for like five years. And, and it was always my favorite sport to coach because I felt like, for example, I coach soccer as well. And I feel like you do your work in practice and during the game you're kind of on autopilot. Whereas as a baseball manager, I, I felt like I could push the buttons. I had some control. At the professional level, I think that matters less. Like, you're not going to bet on a team because of their manager the way you would bet on a, a team because of their coach in, like, let's say, college basketball, right? Like, that, that, I would say, coaching really matters. In baseball, I think it matters over the course of 162 games. But if we're talking about, like, individual game betting, probably not as much. There was an example in a, a raised Red Sox game a couple of days ago where I thought Kevin Cash just, just totally outmanaged Cora. And, you know, Kevin Cash is a great manager, and he's someone that uh, I would say consistently, if you ask anyone who the top five coaches in baseball is, like sort of in-game coaches, it's him. It's a guy like Buck, Buck Walter who, you know, has the rule book memorized front and back. But – those are things that might matter over the course of the season. Like they might be good for maybe five, you know, four or five more wins a season in 162 games. Is it mattering in an individual game? Eh, probably not as much, probably not anything that you can really bet on. And that's certainly what we're, we're sort of here to talk about. So I don't know if I gave like a great answer to that question. I would say they matter more. You know what I think they matter more, Teddy, is just overall, like, like how they handle their guys. Like, for example, like take the Orioles, for example. Right now, they're out there having a great time. They've got the dong bong in the, in the dugout, chugging water after home runs. If their manager, like, let's say they didn't, you know, he didn't embrace that and, and sort of and didn't sort of let them be them, it, it may have a negative impact on their performance. But he's, he sort of allowed them to just kind of go wild with it. And, and I think that that actually is, you know, is a positive. Last year, there was – rumor or just quotes coming out of the, the White Sox locker room that no one was having a good time. You know, like La Russa wasn't connecting with the players. It wasn't fun. And the White Sox won 81 games in a season where they were expected a lot more was expected out of them. So I think that's maybe where managers matter more than, than say how they push the buttons in the games at this point. Yeah. I think team chemistry for sure is something a manager can have a difference. Just real quick. We've got less than a minute before the break. You talked about managers you like, Kevin Cash, Buck Showalter. Anyone stand out as someone that you don't like that's going to cost their team a couple of games this year? Um, I, I don't know that I have 
managers that I don't like. I certainly think Cora cost the Red Sox a game or at least a chance to be in the game the other day. And I feel like he's done that a couple of times. But, again, Teddy, like you said, it's it's really – like, LaRusso was someone I did not like last year. Thankfully, he's gone. And the White Sox have become more of a play-on team for me this year because of it. Uh, but we'll see if that emerges. That starts to emerge. Let's talk about that again in, like, July. I feel like we'll have a better beat on that in June or July. And it's funny. You're sad to see LaRusso go. I'm not sad to see LaRusso go. He made – a bet against guys. And I don't mind a manager to bet against. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV, we're on your radio, we're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow, at SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV, at SportsGridRadio, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV, and at SportsGridRadio. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers, and of course you can follow today's guest, Adam Trigger, on Twitter at TopFlightSI. Again, TopFlightSI uh, on Twitter. Adam, it's time for us to do some quick hitters, my friend. Let's talk about lineups right now. Give me a lineup that stands out to you as being one of the best, if not the best, in baseball. A bet on lineup moving forward. Teddy, bet on lineup moving forward to St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I cannot believe how poorly they started the season. This was a team that I bet to win the National League, to win the World Series, kind of my sleeper team in the in the National League. Um, they are averaging 4.7 runs per game, which is about 14th or 15th in the league right now. Yet they're top five in Major League Baseball in average on base percentage and slugging. You've got Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, two MVP candidates, essentially hitting back-to-back. Jordan Walker is just knocking the cover off the ball. Everything's hard hit. I got to think that the, the Cardinals are going to emerge as one of the better lineups in the league. I just like what they have going on there top to bottom and what they have in their organization from, uh, you know, guys on the bench, guys down in AAA, so on and so forth. So the Cardinals is a team that I, I would say their lineup is a play on. I, I think they're going to end up with one of, one of the better offenses in baseball when it's all said and done i got to ask you about this because this is what I see from the Cardinals in their last half dozen games not at Coors Field. <laughs> they got shut out by Vince Velasquez. All right, They score, what, uh, one, six, and zero in three games at Milwaukee. They score two, one, and four in a three-game set at home against Atlanta. This lineup's going to start hitting because they sure haven't hit so far. I think they are, Teddy. I think they've pressed a little bit. Like, they got off to a really poor start. And, you know, Milwaukee. They just got shut out by Vince Velasquez, dude. It's not just a start. (laughs) You're right. That's almost inexcusable, especially with the numbers that the Cardinals have put up against the Pirates. But I just go back to the fact that they're top five in many offensive categories but not scoring runs. That's got to sort of even itself out at some point, in my opinion. 
the regression to the mean for the Cardinals. Look for St. Louis to improve offensively. What about a team that maybe is a little bit hot, got off to a decent offensive start, but you think is primed for some regression? Yeah, so that team for me, Teddy, is the Twins. I came into the season saying that I wasn't high in the Twins lineup. I thought the trade that they made in the offseason to allow Luis Arise to go to Miami was going to hurt them. And I think I think it has. I mean, you can just look at what Arise is doing in Miami right now. Um, so he's he's picked up right where he's left off, AL batting, you know, title winner last year. But outside of Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton, I don't I just don't think that this lineup's super deep. I think that once you get outside of one through four or so, that there's there's holes in that lineup. And they're winning games right now, so it's kind of like going unnoticed. Of course, the other night, they put up nine in the first inning against the Yankees. I benefited from that. I had the over in that game. Big bet on it. One of the easiest bets I've ever cashed. But, you know, I'll chalk some of that up to a rookie starter having a bad day for the Yankees. I just don't know that this Twins team is going to be an offensive juggernaut this year, and I'm willing to fade them going forward. Anytime you're cashing an over bet for the full game for both teams <laughs> in the top of the first inning, you got the handicap of that game right. <laughs> Kudos on cashing with the Twins uh, over uh, in the Bronx earlier this week. That is the tiny, tiny, any ticket you can cash that, you know, and the only thing you got to worry about the rest of the game is rain. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I checked the uh, forecast. As soon as that came up, I said, no, okay. We don't have, like, a <laughs> random thunderstorm rolling in. We're all right. Yeah, yeah, and, and even the rain won't kill you uh, unless it's uh, you have a run line wager or something with uh, uh, of that nature. Talk to me about uh, bullpens, bullpens that stand out to you, and maybe not necessarily the elite pens early, but pens you think are going to get better as the season progresses, or teams that have pieces in place to have really effective bullpens. Because I'll tell you what, you know, as the markets fixate more and more on starting pitching. I spend more and more of my handicapping time in MLB focusing on lineups and bullpens, two areas that, in my mind, are not properly valued on a day-in, day-out basis in the MLB betting marketplace. Well, Teddy, yeah, and that's a really good point, just because we're not seeing starters go as deep anymore. So the bullpens are, are you know, having a good grasp on a bullpen, if you're going to bet a full game, it is so key. Like, it, ha- it has to be part of your, your handicap. And going back to the earlier segment, that's something that recreational bettors tend to mess up on is they see a starter and they'll bet on a starter, they'll bet the full game. Um, so bullpens right now, there's, there's elite ones. You can go figure out who those are. Uh, I'm going to give you two that I think are play-on bullpens, teams that I think will have elite bullpens as the season goes on, but maybe necessarily haven't started out as good as they were projected to. And that's the Guardians and the Mariners. So we'll start with the Guardians. They started the year on the road. Pretty long road trip to start the season. And they ended up playing in a handful of extra inning games. They actually, coming off that road trip, Teddy, they led Major League Baseball in bullpen usage, innings pitched, um, and, and, it, and it put them into a compromised spot. And their numbers are a little bit lower because of that. You know, they came off of an off day. They, you know, they're going to have a couple of series at home that are, that are a little bit more manageable. And I think that they're a bullpen that you could potentially play on because of, of just the, the quality of relievers that they had in that bullpen and what I think they will become. Another team is the Mariners. 
um, injury bug. Hit the Mariners right out of the gate. Robbie Ray goes on the DL. Um, you know, they lose Munoz out of that bullpen. And another thing that really hurts the Mariners' bullpen is the fact that they've had to take Chris Flexen and make him a starter. He's a guy that lost the job in the starting rotation last year. I loved the move for the bull- to the bullpen for him this year. He comes out, throws four innings of solid relief in his first outing. Because of the injury, they have to move him back into the starting rotation. So he's been getting roughed up, and that's also been a, a negative to their bullpen because they lost one of you know uh, what was, I thought, a really good long relief guy. So as they start to get healthy, I think the Mariners uh, are going to be a team where they're stacked in the bullpen with options, and they end up you know being one of the top 10 or so bullpens in the league. Mariners and Guardians have bet on potential in the bullpen. When you look at the early season bad pens, it really stands out to me. You have three pens that have been awful so far amongst, in theory, contenders, the White Sox, the Giants, and the Phillies. And then you have a bunch of bad teams, mediocre to bad teams, Detroit, Kansas City, Colorado, Miami, Oakland. All those teams enter the weekend with ERAs out of their bullpen of five or higher. Now, ERA is not the best stat, but it's the one I have in front of me uh, right now as I'm doing this. I want to ask you about a team that's not amongst currently the worst eight bullpens in baseball, whether it's the bottom feeders of those three. Who stands out to you as having a bullpen that is going to have some cracks and flaws? So, Teddy, the, the one that stands out to me as a potential fade right now is the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it pains me to say that because I went on every single show. We did a couple shows together before the season, gave out my Arizona Diamondbacks season win total over which I still love and is off to a great start. But, and because of that, I've, I've watched basically every Diamondbacks game, and I'm, I fear some regression in their future, specifically in the back end of games in the bullpen department. I found this stat. I think this is wild. Their bullpen record, so we, don't care, we, we typically don't care about wins and losses, but they're 6-1 and one in games where a reliever gets a decision yet their war is the worst in the NL, like lowest in the NL from, um, you know, in terms of that metric, which is one that I look at for bullpens. They're probably like, if you, if you average out all of their metrics together, they're clearly a bottom 10 right now. And I worry about the depth. And as you know, Teddy, we're in April. As the season goes along, depth is really important. Not as important second week in April, but come June, if, if some of those guys end up on the, you know, the DL for long periods of time, I worry that they have the, the quality arms down there to be a good bullpen. So because they're playing so good, I've got to look at that as a, as a potential, you know, team that could might blow a couple games late in the near future. Adam Trigger at Top Flight SI on Twitter. Adam, I have four more questions and maybe two minutes for you to ask them. So I need real quick hitters. Uh, uh, for your responses. Right okay. now, give me a top over team. Good lineup, bad pitching. White Sox. Good, good, good lineup. I think their lineup has a ton of potential to even be better than it, than it has been. And you already referenced it. Their bullpen is dead last in the league right now. Um, so it'd have to be the White Sox. I think you get a lot of overs from them in the, in the near future. How about a top under team, a team that's not going to hit, but the pitching's going to be there all year, and don't give me the Miami Marlins because that's the obvious answer. Uh, top under team, you know, I'll, I'll sort of double down on Mariners and Guardians, 
And the reason I think that both of those could be good under teams, we already talked about the bullpen. Uh, you know, the Mariners kind of profile offensively right now as, as, a, as a bottom third offensive team when you look at the advanced metrics. And they play at, at a ballpark that's always been sort of pitcher friendly. So I'll think, I think I say the Mariners will, will start to play some lower scoring games. They've been in some slug tests recently. Wind was blowing out in Wrigley, uh, you know, for a series. They played a couple high-scoring games with that Guardians team. Uh, a little uncharacteristic. Both teams were running out of pitching options. So I think the Mariners are probably a good under team going forward. And the Guardians, 26 in the league in WRC Plus offensively, not a ton of power in that lineup. And then you start to get in a late-inning situations with that bullpen. Could be some lower-scoring games that they're in. I see them playing tight games that would probably tend to go under. All right. We got to do a proper quick hitter. You did it really well. You said White Sox. <laughs> What's right now the most undervalued squad in baseball? Team's gotten off to a slow Cardinals. start that you think is good. St. Louis. Cardinals. What about the most? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, was there anyone else to stand out in that regard? Cardinals, White Sox. And what about the most overvalued squad? Let's say uh, 10% of the way through the season. A team that uh, has overachieved vastly early. And don't tell me the Pirates, because everyone keeps telling me to bet against the Pirates, and every time I bet against them, they win. Even though I think this is a very good baseball team, but we have to talk. The Rays have to be one, uh, and the Twins uh, for reasons I mentioned earlier as well. Rays and Twins potential bet against moving forward from Adam Trigger. Adam, great stuff. Tons of actual info. I think my audience is going to really appreciate your time and effort today. Tell folks where they can find you. You guys can find me at Wager Talk www.wagertalk.com and also on Twitter at TopFlightSI. It's really the only, all of my stuff is exclusive to Wager Talk, and I'm always on Twitter. Shoot me a DM if you ever have a question. Uh, I answer almost all of them, Teddy, as long as they're nice. And, and you got the, the Hustle Pod going, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, of course. Uh... And, and that's back for the summer. We're doing that every day or every Wednesday now. So Wednesday's 5 o'clock, year round, Hustle Show, and you can find that on Wager Talk's YouTube channel as well. Great stuff from Adam Trigger. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your effort, my friend. Best of luck in betting action today. When we return, yeah, I got a bettable opinion for you. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to check out yesterday's NBA playoff preview with Aaron Bruski, you want to check out last, well, I didn't have shows last week. I was sick. And I apologize to you guys who were looking for my show last week. I was sick as a dog, basically, for two days. Uh, I didn't get out of bed. Uh, so I apologize that I didn't do a show, but there was no, <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. But the point is, there was no show last week, but you can go back and listen to the shows from two weeks ago, two months ago, two years ago, every show that I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network. You can go back and download at your convenience. Listen, at your convenience. They're all archived, including this show today. Just wherever you download your podcasts, search for Cover It or Cover It with Teddy Covers. Download, consume, 
at your convenience. Again, you can check out. I recommend if you, if you listen to this show twice, check out yesterday's NBA preview, uh, playoff preview show. That was a real good show with Aaron Bruski. I want to give you guys a bettable opinion for today's MLB card. Of course, early start action. Everything's early start uh, on Sunday. This is an East Coast game, so it's really early start uh, for this one, at least out here on the left coast. Let's go to Fenway Park and talk about the Angels and the Red Sox. The Red Sox enter the weekend 9-4 and four to the over, and they are, in my opinion, going to continue to cash over bets. Boston's not a good pitching team. The starting pitching isn't good. The bullpen has been sieve-ish. I don't see that getting a whole lot better right now. And certainly, when you talk about a team like the LA Angels, whose scoring numbers at home are deflated, the scoring numbers for their West Coast games, which they play so many of, are deflated. I like to look for uh, some of these West Coast teams over the total when they travel east, when they travel to more hitter-friendly parks like this one. So let's look for the Red Sox and the Angels to have a relatively high-scoring affair today. I think that game gets up and over the total. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games, and best of luck with all your wagers.